uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Rescue team, not assassins. Now, what are we gonna do? In a part of the world where there are no rules. We pick up their trail at the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? Deep in the jungle, where nothing that lives is safe. You lose it here, you're in a world of hurt. Showtime, kid. Knock, knock. An elite rescue squad. You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> Is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. Blood, no bodies, we hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And on this episode of Planet 8, get to the chopper! That's right, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Predator, Predator 2, Predators, Aliens and Predators, you name it, we're talking it. Straight away, let's kick it up to the satellite. Walker, what do you got for us? Well, you know, I love this movie. I, I love the first Predator. I, we'll, we'll have a lot to say about no, all indeed. the different Predator movies, but but the, the 87 Predator is just a classic. And, uh, you know... I think we all, you know, appreciate it a great deal. And, and there's a lot of interesting stuff behind how the, the film got made. Um, initially, it was going to be called Hunter. Mm -hmm. And uh, the concept came from two brothers, Jim and John Thomas. They, they wrote the original script. 
and they were just, uh, you know, sitting around thinking like, what would be a great story? And they came up with sort of that idea from like the old story, the most dangerous game and so, and kind of twisted it around and said, well, what if you had, you know, an alien coming to earth to hunt the most dangerous game? And well, what would the most dangerous game be? Well, it would be, you know, a combat soldier. So they, uh, they shopped the script around and eventually, um, Joel Silver, the producer who, you know, he was all over the place in the eighties the and nineties. Um, he latched on to that project and was the one who, who got it made, you know, and it is an interesting film because it's sort of a bunch of different genres all at the same time or in, in consecutive times. It starts out kind of as an action movie. I mean, you know, watching it, you could almost, uh, imagine it being, you know, another, uh, version of commando you know another one of arnie's action films but then you know it takes that turn into sort of sci-fi and horror and it does it in a really organic way it doesn't feel forced uh some interesting things about the film you know now we look at the predator and it's such an iconic character design Mm -hmm. but there's you know a lot of uh um behind-the-scenes stories with that, too. There was a completely different design for the character originally, a completely different group of effects guys. Uh, Steve Johnson and Boss Film Studio were the first group of guys that were working on the design for The Predator, and they were kind of handed the these concept art um, that had sort of an insect-slash-reptile features, one of the key things about this original concept art was that the creature had these sort of backward jointed legs. So they were being asked to build this thing that was really impractical for like a, a, a man in a suit to wear in the jungle. You know, you think about this, this kind of backward hinge legs, and yet they were expecting somebody in this suit to like run around, climb up hills, do all this stuff. Um, and they, you know, they told the the producers, the directors, everybody like, look, this is probably not going to be practical. You know, we're probably not going to be able to do this. But they they did build a suit um, pretty much to the specifications of the the artwork they'd been given. And when they wound up uh, putting somebody in it who was actually, you guys know who the first person to wear the suit was? Wasn't it Dolph Lundgren? Oh, close. It was Jean-Claude Jean-Claude Van Damme. Damme. (laughs) But he was like, I read he was like five foot nine. Yeah. So this was another thing that was just like, why when you've got a cast full of these six foot plus muscle men, are you going to put a five foot nine guy in a suit? So there were a lot of sort of miscalculations initially. (laughs) Uh, You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme totally misunderstood the role he was going to have. He thought he was going to be able to show off his martial arts skills against Schwarzenegger. And instead, he winds up in this sort of giant ant suit. Um, So he was really disgruntled. He was supposed to be like like a ninja alien type of thing, wasn't it? I mean, that's why they put Van Damme in there. Yeah, you, you're not going to do much ninja stuff with <laughs> still, kind of stilt legs, backward stilt legs. So he hated the suit. Uh, the director, John McTiernan, hated the suit. Nobody was happy with the suit. And it's really not a, 
a dig against the guys who worked on the suit because if you see the photos of it they i mean they basically did what they were asked to do uh but it just didn't it just didn't work so uh interesting thing was that they initially wanted to bring in rick baker to do a redesign but he was busy on another film so arnold says no 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 i know this guy you you got to bring him in and that's how stan winston came in and that's how we got the suit that we all recognize today. But um, but Arnold does does he know how to build suits? Yeah yeah he did this movie Gargoyles he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's my friend he's very good very good at his suits no problem. <laughs> so yeah so that was kind of the the twisted path that they took they had to shut down filming for a while and and uh, you know Winston's crew was already working on another film at that time. So they had to split the crew because they had to finish the monster squad. Right. But uh, they had, I think something like six weeks to really get it done. So they were busting their buns uh, well, to mold the suit. To I mean, the, the amount of time that they had from not even concept, but to completion. And God love the folks that put Monster Palooza together. We we were at the show when they had folks who worked on the Predator film um, talking about, you know, wh- when the first costume showed up, the director and they were all like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> what? A, oh, boy. And um, it, it was just really insightful to hear. The, the cast wasn't there, but they had behind-the-scenes right. uh, folks who did the special effects and stuff, and it was it was fun and insightful. But yeah, it's it's kind of funny to think what we could have gotten for a predator. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously this is all before CGI. You know, um, so it, it was you know come up with a good foam suit, and what they did is has become iconic, as iconic as. Any of the other monsters, uh, you know, in sci-fi or, or horror. Well, right. It I was would, amazing. I would, I mean, the, the mask itself with the mandibles. Uh, and yeah, right. Was, yeah. I guess they kind of had to do, outdo Alien because Alien had like the two mouths and, you know, the extending mm-hmm. jaws. And so they did they did the mandibles with the Predator. And yeah, I mean, there was, you know, obviously no CG in that film. Mm-hmm. Right. I was reading where, you know, for, for the effect where they had a camouflaged alien or invisible alien, they put a guy in a red suit mm-hmm. because red was the only color right. that was like way different than the green of the jungle and the blue of the sky and uh, shot it that way and then matted him out and then shot the background like again and made this kind of, you know, that's why it's kind of like a... Uh, multi-plane type of effect but uh mm-hmm. yeah there was like no cg whatsoever in this movie right and it's interesting you mentioned alien bob because at one point um when they you know they got back the footage of the original creature and they were like oh my god what are we going to do they briefly thought about could we just put the alien from alien in this movie and use that as the predator and then they oh no no we'll we'll redesign it uh but they they did think about it uh for a second but yeah i think it stands right up there the predator stands right up there with uh in, well in my pantheon it's right up there with creature from the black lagoon and alien 
as mm. some of the best man in suit designs. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, if, if this was made like in the 50s, yeah, they'd borrow the suit in a second. <laughs> there were suits and masks and everything else that just floated from film to film back then. Would have been cool to be a fly on the wall, and it's like, okay, this this Van Damme alien suit didn't work. What are our options? Well, you got the H.R. Geiger alien. You got the E.T. alien, the Spielberg. <laughs> um, we got the Schwaz from Close Encounter. No, no, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, it, I mean know, the film helps. was made for like $15 million, yeah. which by today's standards is like minuscule. It was actually a pretty good budget for then. And I, I think it helps that you had somebody like Kevin Peter Hall mm-hmm. in the suit. I mean, they, I mean, one, he's just physically impressive, being like seven foot two. But the guy um, really knew how to get across personality in the Predator. You know, you get a sense that they, there's something there that's not just an animal or a, a monster, but that there's some intellect and some sense of a, a being there. And I think that was another thing when Stan Winston came on, he recognized that they needed to create a character, not just a, a monster. And so they wanted to like show the eyes uh, you know, so that Arnold would have somebody to play against and not just have like a sort of a mindless monster to go against. Yeah, those little beady eyes, I tell you, they're pretty damn creepy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I know. And the mottled skin and everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, almost like a perfect design. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had guys who now are pretty well known, like Steve Wang. Um, Matt Rose, you know, who who did the sculpts and the paint and everything. Um, but back then were young guys just kind of making their names. Well, that was the thing about oh, yeah. Stan Winston. You know, even today he's got his Stan Winston school of effects. And he, uh, he was always good about bringing in talent and grooming that talent and using them, you know, on the films and on the projects. I mean, that guy had a hand in like almost everything terminator predator gargoyles monster squad the list goes on and on i mean um yeah i i can't say enough good things and you made a good point these guys weren't really that well known i mean other than stan but now they're like icons in the industry mm-hmm. yeah. well yeah even back then i mean the main players were like stan winston and rick baker right yeah i know up to that point so well, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things that really struck me, I, I was fortunate enough to have time to watch the movie again today. Um, the diverse cast that mm, they yeah. had, uh, it, it shouldn't work, but it does. And it works so well. Jesse, the body Ventura, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, Carl I, Weathers. I mean, it's, yeah. Carl Weathers, yeah. Carl Weathers. I mean, you know, it, Billy Duke. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just very cool. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of steroids in that movie and a lot of testosterone <laughs> flying around, but, uh, <laughs> but it was so, good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the cast. Yeah, even though obviously I can't really, uh, you know, connect with them. I don't have those kind of muscles, but 
<laughs> there aren't there aren't really characters you can put yourself into, but yeah, it's. Uh, well, and one of the things that I noticed when they, uh, sorry, Karen, uh, just real quickly, uh, when they when they in the beginning of the film they get out of the chopper. One has a polo shirt on. One has a suit and tie. I, I noticed that too. Yeah, they all have these different styles in their personal lives, and and it's it, it could be a throwaway scene of like five seconds, but it was very insightful for that moment that it was on screen because they get off the chopper, they meet Carl Weathers and the you know I forget the guy that played the general in his mm-hmm. name, but you know then they get all like commandoed out <laughs> and even you know they got commandoed out each had their own specific style of weapon or dress going into bat not battle but going into the jungle i guess well i mean yeah, yeah I, I mean they're originally sent in there on a rescue mission right and then it turns out that it's not really a rescue mission it was uh find out what's killing what killed the last crew that went in there well, they were getting intelligence. It was intelligence because Carl Weathers worked yeah. at CIA, so it was under the pretense yeah. that, oh, we, you know, uh, we brought you in here, Dutch, to help with uh, info gathering. Yeah, that. And then these little things start happening once they touch down, and he's like, "What's going on here?" You know. So it's like, is this like a, not a murder mystery, but a mystery? Is it? Is it going to be kind of like? a war you know when the first time you saw it it was kind of like well what's going on? why is it predator could it be that the enemies are the predator and then you know they come to the enemy camp and all heck breaks loose once the predator shows up with the little uh, that's the other thing too that was very iconic was the uh, is it a chatter or a ch- I, I can't even quantify the the sound that the predator makes but we do have crows in my neighborhood, and I swear they sound like a predator the way they, like, beat their beak. But the, getting back to the the cast, I think that's one of the main reasons this movie is so successful and so rewatchable is because a, a good part of the time in the beginning, you're just there with these characters. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have the the predator on screen and you're spending time with these characters and even though they're basically i don't know either archetypes or stereotypes depending on your point of view um they're i think they're interesting people you know um you know we kind of get a sense of of who who they are what motivates them you know characters like um like Mac, which is Bill Duke's character, you know, he's really interesting in this, the way that he sort of carries him, himself, and especially after uh, Jesse Ventura's character is killed, and mm. you see, oh, he had a connection to him, you know, and and how that impacts him, and then you have, uh, let's see, Billy, who is the the Native American character, right. and it's very stereotypical, especially in like Vietnam movies and stuff to have like, oh, then the Native American takes point because they're all great trackers and that kind of thing. But they sort of use it in this film to show like, uh, in some ways he's sort of like the predator in that he has a connection with his environment in a way that nobody else does. Right. So he's, he has this heightened awareness, which is kind of spooky. And, you know, they use that in the film to, to heighten the tension, you know, I was going to um, say the the thing you brought up with Jesse Ventura uh, getting killed when Schwarzenegger when Schwarzenegger's talking to him, he says, "Sergeant, he was a good soldier, 
And he turns around and he says, he was my friend. Mm -hmm. And, and again, just, you know, a minute worth of film and it established that connection, you know? Yeah, it was, I think it was well written. I mean, for what it is, it's, I mean, like Bob says, yeah, it's full of testosterone, but I, I don't know. I came to like these characters and yeah, certainly I can't carry some gigantic, you know, machine gun around, but it's like I can empathize with them, especially when they, they start getting hunted. Um, you can see the fear in their eyes, which is a real change from the beginning of the film. Well, I mean, right. that's the thing. They're like an elite squad. But then when you come up and you see like skinned bodies hanging upside down from trees, eh, it's a little shocking even for some, you know, a crew that is a squad that has probably seen it all. Right. Quote unquote. Right. And they reacted that way too. It was like, <sighs> you know, like fear in their faces and their eyes, you know. Wasn't Carl Weathers, isn't he the first one to actually see the predator? Not not so much the physical presence, but the the camouflaged version? I think it was Mac. Was it Mac? Okay. I think it was Mac who saw it. I believe it was Mac. But they all had their moment where they caught a glimpse yeah. of the of the predator and its uh, various forms of uh, camouflage. The camouflage was really cool. I liked the sort of concentric yeah. rings. It was an interesting way to do that. And what about Arnold? We haven't really discussed. Wow. Arnold, <laughs> our former yeah. governor. Yeah. He had just come off of the Commando movie before this, right? So it was interesting that they would be like, okay, not that it was so much of a typecast, but, you know, let's let's bring Arnold in and, and whatever that conversation was to convince him. Uh, I can't imagine anyone else playing that role. Well, you know, um, I mean, I, w I was reading like when they first kind of came up with the concept, it was somebody, I think they had just released Rocky Four, and somebody uh, somebody joked, Oh God! What's Rocky going to fight in the next movie? Well, he'll have to fight an alien. That you know, in the next one. <laughs> and somebody like grabbed that idea and ran with it. And Sylvester Stallone was uh, considered, but he was doing something else. And then uh, yeah, they ended up bringing Arnold in because he had just done Commando. And you know, what else did he have before this? It was Total Recall before this? Uh. I think that came after. After well, yeah, the Conan movies, I guess. Yeah, yeah Conan would have been before this. Yeah. So Conan and and uh, when was Running Man? Running Man was before this because that was the first film with uh, Schwarzenegger and uh, Jesse the Body Ventura. All right. So he was obviously somewhat established anyway. So they ended up bringing him in when they could not get Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, and I like, you know, he. there's a couple of, you know, lines that he has. Schwarzenegger always has, like, a line, you know, I'll be back from the Terminator. And one of the ones in this was at the end when he first sees the, well, I guess we'll we'll wait till we get to the end of the film before I say that <laughs> famous line. But something like, you know, a throwaway line, like, get to the chopper. And now it, I joke with Walker all the time, get to the chopper. Dylan, you son of a beep beep. <laughs> Pacing on this film is amazing too because yeah. it's right. kind of like establish what's going on and then just nonstop for the rest of the film. 
You know, and I forget, guys, where did this show, uh, where did this movie land on our top ten? Uh, one moment, please. <laughs> tied oh, no, eight. number nine. It tied number, number nine with Empire Strikes Back. Number yes. nine with Empire. That's right. That's right. Wow. Uh, so you guys consider this just as good as Empire Strikes Back? Well, oh. that was the consensus opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, funny how numbers work, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine what if they had cast uh, Van Damme instead of Schwarzenegger and gave Schwarzenegger the alien role? I don't think we'd be talking about I don't this movie. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it would just be another Van Damme film, right? You're right, just like we're not going to talk about Cyborg, which was oh. a Van Damme catastrophe uh, there's some really bad memories oh there. man i tell you but um yeah you know the the funny it, it really is a testament to the writers the producers the actors they captured lightning in a bottle because in my humble opinion none of the other films ever came close to the the well-balanced well-acted well-produced i mean you can argue maybe they have better special effects and you know, once CGI came into the picture and whatnot, but the dynamics in this film oh, just blow me away to this day. Oh well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of good action scenes in this film that, but I think it's all built up by the suspense. You know, mm-hmm. um, the the scene where they all unload. They think they're unloading on the predator, and they basically blast the jungle to pieces. Um, the, yeah, <laughs> and Schwarzenegger's like fall over the cliff mm-hmm. is really fun, and of course the the final battle with the predators just really really well done. Um, yeah, there's so many. I guess even when they invade the village before they far- start fighting the predator, you know, that's that's just like a big over the top action. He's like lifts the truck up off the <laughs> blocks. And They're all just... like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you think, you know, shooting in a jungle like that, that it would be hot and humid. But, uh, you know, Schwarzenegger said it was freezing cold. He was in the water. He was covered with mud. And uh, I think he was like three weeks in the mud while they were yeah. shooting the final battle. And they had big, you know, lights and everything else just going just to to warm up the area so uh, they wouldn't freeze to death. Hey, back, back in the day, there was no blue screen, no green screen, no, you know, they, they were out there in the jungles. Well, it was interesting, too, because they, they wanted to hire actors who had some sort of military training. Not every single one of them did, but mm-hmm. a number of them had served in the military. Well, Jesse Ventura and, was a former Marine. Yeah, and uh, like the guy who played Poncho, he had been, uh, I think, in either the Army or the Navy. Uh, Sonny Landham, I think, had served. Sonny Landham was apparently a, a maniac. They had to hire a bodyguard <laughs> on the set, not to protect him, but to protect other people from Sonny. <laughs> and they did, you know, all this this like military training prior to, to filming to get them you know, so they could look like a cohesive team uh, before they they actually started filming. 
There, there was a story that almost all of the cast and crew had gotten Montezuma's revenge at one point in time uh, while making the movie. And I think Schwarzenegger and someone else, they wouldn't eat any of the local food or drink any of the water. So the, uh, Schwarzenegger might have gotten it a little, like, uh, now that I think about it. It might but, have been Carl Weathers that didn't want to eat the food. Maybe though. it was Carl Weathers. I yeah, can but, see that. Oh, my God. I, and I then just, he I also wanted them to think that his physique was just he was born that way because they would all get together at like 3 a.m and work out before they went out to shoot like as a group arnold and everybody else he wouldn't he'd like sneak in after they were all done and do his workouts but yeah he wanted (laughs) he wanted them to think that his uh, physique just came naturally (laughs) there's there's a lot of good material on the um on the blu-ray in the in the uh, extras where they they got them i don't know it was probably like 10 or 15 years after the they made the movie and they talk about all this stuff and it's like well of course it was like a bunch of guys there weren't a bunch of women around so they were all you know trying to out macho each other <laughs> and even one of the writers was saying you know one day like arnold got him and said oh come on you got to work out with us come on and he, he's like, I almost died that day. <laughs> Don't be a sissy. Get over here. <laughs> Come on. Don't be a girly man. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, you know, we talked a little bit about the end of the film and that iconic moment where Arnold, you know, the, the predator takes off the helmet. And, and even that, I mean, up to that point, we, we didn't know what the thing looked like. And he's taking off. And the little hose, you know, the air, the smoke is, you know, coming off, takes off his weapon, pulls off the helmet. And then the mandibles, they're sitting there kind of like, you know, pinching each other. And then he just opens up the maw and, you know, with the scream. And Schwarzenegger's like, you're one ugly mugged up. (laughs) (laughs) It was a really effective reveal. It was, you know, just the 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 way that the predator just like, you know, spread his arms out like, you know, let's get ready to rumble, you know, up until then. I mean, when you saw the predator at the beginning of the film, during the film, you didn't really consider that as a helmet. Say, oh, okay, that's what he looks like. Mm, Right. But then there's the next layer where he pulls it off and then it's like, oh, okay, that was a. I mean, obviously, in all the other films, you know, it's a helmet. But in the initial film, yeah. you know, you could, they could have gotten away with just keeping him, you know, like that the entire time without taking it off. Right. That's a good point. It was cool. Very cool reveal. Um, the Predator tries to blow Schwarzenegger to kingdom come. Schwarzenegger survives just barely. And that... The, the way that the movie ended, he's sitting in the chopper with the with the lady. She survived as well. And he's covered in ash and he's just looking up like he spent like, what, what did he yeah. go? And then what what always struck me strange and, and even watching it again today is at the end of the film, it's almost like watching like a, a sitcom or something because the actors like swing around and face the camera like <laughs> hey you know? the roll call yeah it's kind you of know, funny. To say, you know we're not we're not dead we're alive and 
um, Carl Weathers, you know, he catches a gun and kind of looks at you like, eh, you know, <laughs> uh, it was only Schwarzenegger who was serious. And he's like, they show his back and he just turns around like, you know, I don't think he filmed that. I think that was from the film. Yeah. They just, you know, captured it. it like. but. All they needed was a freeze frame as the music started to end <laughs> the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was joking around with my with my wife and she had never seen Predator. And I says, well, it's kind of like Fantasy Island, but Mr. Rourke is an alien. And they're not there on vacation. They're there for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't compel her to watch it, so. I, yeah, I don't know about that, Larry. You might, you might need to work on that one a little bit. Stretch bit of a little stretch, bit of a stretch. <laughs> but what's funny is um, she was too lazy to get up and go into the other room, so she did watch Predator 2 with me. <laughs> um, are you guys ready to go to Predator well, 2? One any, more, any one last more thing. Uh, sure, yeah, sure. Please. Uh, the score by Alan Silvestri. Oh. oh, yeah. How could I forget? Absolutely. It it has such wonderful percussion in it. It does. And it's so it adds to the suspense so it much. It sets the mood, it sets the tone, it sets the pace. Just so well orchestrated and it is an integral part of this film. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Walker. I mean, it kind of switches back and forth between sort of very what sounds almost like military march kind of music and then sort of like jungle themed music. Right. Well, that was kind yeah, of getting kind of towards the end of music and films being like a main character along with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now the music is so subdued. It's like, you know, you don't really remember much of it, but think yeah. back into the days of predator or even like star Wars or whatever. And, you know, you come out, humming the theme song or you know you have music stuck in your head from certain scenes that you saw you know you hear that track maybe on a soundtrack or something and you immediately all the visuals come rushing in and mm -hmm. now it's like you know you hear something from a newer movie and it's like oh what movie is that from <laughs> could have been yeah. from one of 15 different films there there's still some talent out there um but you know bob when you say that and i'm I know we're talking about Predators, but Godzilla, Godzilla's theme, the military theme, um, some of the monsters, Monster Zero, Mothra, very distinct. And you walk away from the film humming those songs for the rest of the week. Well, even that's like James movie. Bond films. The, the Bond films, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a great example. Um, f for me, recently, it was The Incredibles and The Incredibles right. 2. Well, I was going to say, Michael Giacchino is still, still does some incredible scores now. And Alan Silvestri... Yeah. You know, recently he's done like you know the Avengers and films like that. So there you go. And yeah, Avengers kind of had their standout theme, but the rest of the music was somewhat mm -hmm. superior. Yeah, I I would say most of the Marvel films, there's not a lot there for me to walk out and remember. Although mm -hmm. uh, the the guy now I'm blanking on the name of the guy who did the score for uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, but he he does a really nice job. I want to say it might be Henry Jackman. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, his scores are pretty recognizable. Yeah, well, I, I you know, like you said, Alan uh, Silvestri. Uh, 
such I, I mean earlier today you said you were listening to the theme uh, or to the album walker and i'm like mm-hmm. oh, i should do that too but i opted to watch the film instead um good stuff all right my friends so predator 2 shall we predator 2 now I know they uh, were offering Arnold like big bucks to come back, but to this date he has never come back to a Predator film. And that is just too bad. Um, was it a money thing, or because he's done every single Terminator movie that they ever, you know, put out to him, and and some of those were some real stinkers. I mean. Yeah, but then in his place you get Danny Glover. Well, and see that whole story, you know, with the the if if I were to, well, maybe we should save this for the end of the the podcast. How would you have brought Schwarzenegger back into the Predator franchise? Uh, me and my friend Jay talk about this all the time, so I have a lot of ideas and suggestions. But Gary Busey, Danny yeah. Glover, I'm like, wait a minute, weren't they in Lethal Weapon? And I, I think that's like, <laughs> it's like. All these actors were a lethal weapon. Mr. Joshua. So, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, it, it was know. interesting taking the Predator out of the jungle theme and bringing him into the, the concrete, concrete jungle. There you go. And uh, Welcome to the jungle. That's right. Yeah, it We was, got fun and games. <laughs> it, was, it was L.A., but do you think the film would have worked in Chicago or New York or or San Francisco could could that story have taken place in any of the concrete jungles and I think so. Yeah. Yeah, especially I mean, in New York, you have some hard-boiled New York cop. Could it know, could it took place in, in Hong Kong or Tokyo? I mean, you know, but they they decided LA. He's Jackie Chan. <laughs> could have used Jackie Chan. Um you know, uh, the first Predator film is my absolute favorite, always will be. The second one had its moments. It, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't as good. And I think what, as I watched it just recently, like I said with, with Jazz, I wasn't as critical of it as I was the first time I saw it. And and I think I was expecting the Predator movie without Schwarzenegger and this kind of had a different tone and a different uh, story to be sure. Uh, How did you guys feel? Well, I mean, I think, you know, for you looking back on it, see, now you've got the subsequent films to compare it to. So probably makes it look better. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I enjoyed Danny Glover's character. Yeah, even even Gary Busey he wasn't quite as Gary Busey as he would be later yeah. in life, but <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun romp. It was also kind of uh, interesting that it was a precursor to Alien versus Predator because when uh, Danny Glover goes onto the Predator's vessel and he sees all the trophies there, one of the trophies right. is the Alien. Yeah, his head. I had read that they they just decided to throw that Easter egg in there. There was no idea, yeah, I'm or sure they certainly had no, no idea development. They were do it, but. Right, and and it was years later that they're like, "Hey, remember at the end of Predator Two? Um, 
I, it struck me interesting how the government knew because one of the things you thought of after the first movie and like a, a small nuclear bomb basically going off in the jungles of uh, South America, wouldn't the you know the CIA sent Carl Weathers? He never came back. Did they debrief Dutch? You know, mm-hmm. I oh, think I'm there sure, were a I'm lot sure of really interesting him. ideas for this, uh, but I uh, think you know the execution was not quite there. There's there's good moments in it. It really lags though in this the middle of the film. It really yeah. kind of drops a lot and then picks up right at the end when uh, Harrigan you know, goes into that, uh, the meat packing plant or whatever, where they're trying to catch the predator and, yeah. and all, all heck ensues. Uh, so yeah, plus, you know, it's not just Glover versus the predator. Cause you've got all the gangs of LA or drug dealers and things all getting into it. I guess that gave the predator something to focus on as he, uh, sees all the different people interacting and figuring out which ones are worthy prey and which aren't. Right. He had choices. You know what seemed kind of odd was that they set this movie just slightly in the future. They set Mm -hmm. it in 1997. You know, they made it in, it was released in 1990. They set it in 1997. So like the guns look just a little different. But, like, everything is basically looks, you know, pretty normal. But, you know, there's a few different things. And, like, they have a um, subway system, which pretty sure L.A. didn't have a subway system. Um, Not at that point, but I think parts of it does now. So, And it also looked kind of borderline dystopian. Yeah. Well, but L.A., <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, there's certain things like you, you guys are saying. I, I like the idea that oh yeah, the government is tracking these aliens. They know about it, and they're trying to, you know, figure out what's going on. And that was really interesting. And some of the individual scenes with the predator um, were kind of cool. But it just doesn't like gel together the way the the first movie did, and and I enjoyed Danny Glover to a degree, um, and Gary Busey is always pretty amusing. Bill but Paxton, I, yeah, Bill Paxton, I thought was kind of wasted in this. I didn't feel like we really, I don't know. Just when we started to get to know him, he. He gets wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say this cast is not as entertaining as the cast of the first film. No, no. Yeah. I'll say, you know, in looking back at this, I was impressed that they would put a leading man in a franchise like they were trying to launch, you know, The Predators, the second film, and they gave it to an African-American actor. Mm-hmm. Which was not very common back then. To be honest, it's not very common nowadays either. And uh, I I agree with you. I think Danny Glover did a really good job with what they gave him script wise. Could the script have been tighter? Could it have been, you know, a little more uh, exciting or dynamic? Yeah, maybe. Uh, You know, you brought up a point. The actors, the supporting, nothing against them. They're fine actors. um, Just didn't have that 
lightning in a bottle that the first film had with the cast. Yeah. Well, you know, it's you funny know, when, you mentioned, when you're mentioning the cast and Larry and I were talking a bit about Fear the Walking Dead before we uh, started the podcast today. And <laughs> yeah. Reuben Blades, who plays yes. Daniel in Fear the Walking Dead, a very young Reuben Blades is, is in the film. A very young, and you know, he, he's a fine actor. I mean, Daniel is one of my favorite characters in Fear the Walking Dead. Um, and he was kind of wasted on this too. I mean, he was, he was, uh, Danny Glover's best friend. And then, you know, not even halfway through the film, I, I will say one of the most impressive deaths to me was Gary Busey, uh, basically getting like eviscerated, chopped in half. And, um, it, it was definitely a rated R film. Um, there was a lot more nudity in this one too, if I remember correctly. Well, there were more women. Like anything more than one was more. So <laughs> I you say anything more than one, and they have to get naked. <laughs> there, there was the uh, talk show host who was uh, oh, so Martin, obnoxious. Martin Downey, yeah. Oh. Martin Downey, yeah. Oh, why did they put him in this he movie? Was, he was popular back then, and he was obnoxious. I mean, you so know, he fit in perfect. Donahue was popular. He wasn't in the first Schwarzenegger film. I mean, yeah, but you know. Donahue wasn't obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, the the other thing too, I I enjoyed the ending of the film. Actually, when the when he cut the he wounded the predator and he had to use ceramic tile. I didn't know that he had to, but he did, and he patched himself up after Danny became very proficient with one of the weapons. <laughs> And was able to maim the uh, the predator, cutting off his arm. The predator heals himself. And uh, anyway, at the end of the film, Danny betters the the predator, and there are more than one predator on the ship, and they mm-hmm. reveal themselves. And then, like Bob said in the trophy room, you see all these, you know, uh, trophies that the predator had gotten up to that point: skulls and and beads, weapons, whatever. Um. So it, it kind of made you jump back then like, oh, that's an alien skull. Was it an alien skull? Did I see an alien skull? Yeah. <laughs> I did. It was really exciting. And it was kind of cool that the elder predator realizes what, you know, Glover did doesn't happen often and gave him a, a trophy of his own, which was that, uh, you know, pistol from what, the 1700s or 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it really kind of makes you think, like, how far back in time have these predators been coming down and hunting us? Well, and see, that's the thing. You know, they talk about the hot summer. It's very hot. You know, in in this film, Danny Glover's armpits were profusely (laughs) (laughs) sweaty and or damp. I mean, he was wearing the open shirt. It was so damn cold in that jungle. Let's heat things up. Well, but and it was supposed to be hot because the lady was talking about in this summer it's hotter in the jungle than ever before, and you know she kind of talked about the uh, the legend of the predator without you know calling it a predator. So, so we finish up Predator Two, my friends. Any last tidbits or uh, information we want to go over for Predator Two because we're going to go into Predator Three if not. <laughs> Well, it wasn't even Predator 3. It was Predators. Exactly. <laughs> but before Predators, didn't they tug on that string and, and make the Alien versus Predator movie? Yeah, AVP was in 2004. 
and and uh, Predators was what 2010, right? 2000. Okay. Well, so uh, AVP, uh, yours truly hasn't seen it for a while, so I'm I'm gonna be going by memory. You and uh, you and Bob, I think. No, Did I didn't. I didn't get to watch either one of the Alien versus Predator films, so I haven't mm-hmm. seen either one since they came out in the theaters. I do need to give another look. All I remember really is that I liked the second one more than the first. I I remember being excited. Uh, we went to Comic Con in San Diego, and they had a big mock-up of the Predator and the Alien, kind of like facing off against each other. On one side of the auditorium, the other side of the auditorium, they had an Optimus Prime truck <laughs> set up there. So those are like the big movies, that, you know. And I see the film, and correct me if I'm wa- wrong, Walker, but it takes place in an in like an Aztec temple in Antarctica. I think it was Norway. I just rewatched Norway. it the other night, um, and I'm like, what happened to the whole hot summer? thing but then i guess the aliens kind of, i don't know walker I'll, why don't you go ahead and walk so, us through <laughs> yeah i hadn't watched it in many a year um although i do have it on either dvd or blu-ray yeah you know you would think with a, a thing like this you know predators aliens it's like chocolate peanut butter it should be a <laughs> slam dunk but uh it just, I don't know, for me personally, it, it's a very kind of dull, disappointing film. There are parts of it that were, were kind of interesting, kind of exciting, but I don't know. It's just kind of a mess, and it's just um, they're trying to set up this whole history with, you know, well, the Predators set up these, these temples, and they would you know, activate the xenomorphs by bringing in human sacrifice. So the xenomorphs would implant inside the humans and, uh, you know, the full grown xenomorphs would, the aliens would pop out and then they would hunt them. And that was part of their, you know, their rituals and stuff. But I don't know. It just, uh, just, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. You know, it was, Kind of, I mean, I hate to say it, it was kind of boring, but it, it did become kind of boring at a point. There was there were some action scenes that were kind of fun. One thing that really threw me, though, the predators in this, I think I mentioned to you, Larry, the other day we were talking. You know, the original Predator, Predator Two, the Predator, you know, of course, played by Kevin Peter Hall's tall, lean creature, still very yeah. formidable looking, but he very lean. The Predators in AVP look like a bunch of linebackers, <laughs> you know? They look like they've been stuffing their faces, and they're just very husky, heavy fellows, you know? So it kind of threw me. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, they, they, they just kind of threw it all together, and I think it's kind of a mess of a movie. If you can't even like, you know, sometimes you get these movies where you can sit and watch them, and you know that the plot is total bullcocka, but you can they're entertaining. I didn't even find this that entertaining, so I'll I'll just leave it at that. Well, I mean, to be honest, how many times have you actually been disappointed by Hollywood? <laughs> I mean, today or like yeah. oh, just in general over the years. 
but yeah, yeah, you know, it's sad because it it had the potential. It should have been better than what they gave us. Um, look, Alien was a great movie. Aliens was as great as a movie. Uh, Terminator, great movie. Terminator Two, great movie. I mean, it's possible they can do it. Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back. It's been done before. Um, yeah, look, we'll we'll leave it at this. The drop, uh, the ball was dropped on on aliens. Um, on predators. Oh, aliens. You mean AVP? A- AVP. Sorry, alien versus uh, right, right. Um. So then we get to the Predators film, or is it AVP Requiem? You know, let me let me just. Do you guys want to talk about AVP Requiem or? <laughs> I have nothing to say about AVP other than I thought it was better than the first one. I, it's all a hazy memory from back in the past. You know, I yeah. felt bad for the little boy. You know, he's hunting or fishing with his father, and it yeah, it just it was I, just a, a mess. Yeah, I don't really remember much about it. I saw it once, and that was enough for me. Well, the, wasn't that the one where it had the hybrid alien predator, and that's the thing that went out? Uh, the, it was like the Predalien. Predalien. It almost seemed like a, a Jason Voorhees from space <laughs> to me, is is how I saw it. Well, was, um, was Jason Ten out at that point? <laughs> Bob, I'm gonna have to check. Maybe I, there was some cross breeding right. going on out there. Jason, aliens, predators, they're all just one big mass orgy. You're right. And it might have been the same actor playing all of them, Walker. That's why he was more stocky and not as tall. Oh, jeez. Um, okay, kid. So so now we, do, now we get to uh, Batman Dead End, right? Oh, <laughs> thank you, Bob. You're right. I yeah, I meant to watch here. that and I forgot. Sandy Cholera. I mean, that was, was that? you know, for a fan-made film. Yep. This, the depiction of Batman, the depiction of Alien, and the depiction of Predator were all just spot on. To this day, the quintessential comic book version of Batman was mm-hmm. was in that film. I love that suit. Yes. So I mean, perfect. The physique and, and just, you know, the aches and the pains that he showed, you know, great, great rendition of Batman on film. But it also showed the toughness and the fighting skills of Batman. Right. For him to stand there and just go toe-to-toe with a predator. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have yeah. superpowers. He's yeah. got fancy gizmos in his utility belt, but he was uh, he was right skills. there, you know, giving it, giving it all. Skills, and he's rich. <laughs> so we should probably, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of, listeners may not have seen Batman Dead End so we should probably it should still be on YouTube we can maybe put a link in the show I notes. think it is yeah it's a good idea Bob um, yeah you know. it, it's a lot of fun I remember I think the first place I saw it was probably like at Comic Con I remember I, seeing it at some convention I just remember yeah. somebody I worked with was saying how cool it was oh this is so cool so cool and ended up giving me just like a, a CD, a DVD of it. And I watched it and yeah, I was blown away. I was blown away. Much more blown away lane. than Predator 2 or Predators. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's, 
I think it's that movie and um, Troops. Batman Dead End and Troops is on my my bootleg. Yeah, you you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. um, But the way that they depict the Joker and and uh, I want to say it was Walter Koenig's son. Yeah, it was. Okay, all right, yeah. I I wish they would have just made a damn movie. Because uh, the thing is all of what, like 10 minutes, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's not very short. long. It's too bad. Too, too bad. No, that was that was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Well, and, and you know, I think the um, I think they said their concept for that came after looking at some of the um, Predator and Alien comics that mm-hmm. I think it was Dark Horse was putting those out yeah. at the time. Yeah. Those fun. were good books, too. So again, they, you you could do Predator versus Alien in the comics, and they and they've been they were great, but they just couldn't get the movie together. Well, you know, a lot of things I guess happen between concept and script, and you know, if the studio gets involved and kind of this is true, this is true. Like Bob said, I, I would you know, just Hollywood. I would just chalk it up to being rushed. Yeah, you know, yeah. rushed to put it out. Hey, this is cool idea get it out i want this out by such right. and such a date all right okay well which of us has seen the predators movie oh yes, yeah, i watched I, it i did what what'd you guys think Commander, of it <laughs> did you watch it what's that bob did you watch it i saw it when it first came out uh you know i kind of enjoyed it you know i didn't go in there i mean i saw it in the theater when it came out but I didn't really go into it with great expectations this time around, which is probably why I enjoyed it. But I just, uh, <laughs> you know, was, heck, it starts with these guys just being dropped out of the sky, <laughs> yeah. you know, onto this planet or whatever. I guess this was the first time, I mean, aside from the end of Predator 2, this is the first time where you saw multiple predators out there, you know, hunting prey and, and even right. having conflicts among themselves. Well, you know, the, the Predators 2, Gary Busey, Danny Glover, okay. This one had, what, Adrian Brody? Adrian Brody and, uh, and Lawrence Fishburne. Topher Grace yeah. was in there. So I was like, uh, okay. And Topher I, I Grace. Oh, Topher Grace. Oh, you're right. Topher you're right. Grace. And I don't know. It just, you can't uh, see it on the podcast, but Sharon, uh, Karen is shaking her head. <laughs> Shaking her head at Topher Grace. Danny, I, Danny I Trejo. I, yeah. Danny Glover as a as a tough man, tough guy. Yeah. Adrian Brody, I never saw as like a. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the cast just didn't work for well, me. Yeah, Danny Trejo was in it. Machete himself. He didn't last very long. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He must Actually, have just been like, he, he watching, must have told uh, Robert Rodriguez, look, I just want to get paid. <laughs> just, I'll work like three days. Yeah. You know, when I when I saw this um, in the theater originally, I, I came out of there feeling like it was awfully gimmicky. But rewatching it this last week, I enjoyed it more than I did the first time. Um 
I think probably because I just lowered my expectations, uh, you know, a, a, a bit. Just like uh, Bob. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, because you know what you're getting into, I guess, Sometimes the second you time around. Have to do that. Um, I, I, I let myself enjoy the, the different predators. I mean, part of me looks at it and sees all these different predators, and it's sort of like, oh, okay, there's their toy line. Yeah. But, um, and the predator dog. Yeah, you know, yeah. but on the other hand, it's sort of like, well, it's kind of cool to see different variations of, you know, predators. You got the big berserker predator, you got the hunter with his dogs, and then I think the other one was like a falconer, or maybe that was the same one. I don't know. I couldn't keep it all straight. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and then you've got the the humans who are all variations on predators, right? Who are, you know, you've got the... Yakuza guy, you got the soldier, you got the other gangster guy. Even frickin' Topher Grace turns out to be, I guess, a serial killer or whatever his thing is. He's psychotic. Um, so it, it was like, oh, okay, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the thing that kind of killed it for me is when they got to the Lawrence Fishburne part, everything just kind of stopped dead for a while. And it was kind of hard to to keep with it. And then it, you know, it just kind of plodded along and then it picked up again. So it's, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to decide, do I like it better than predator two? I think they're kind of neck and neck for me. I, I don't know. I would, I would agree though that Danny Glover is a more watchable main character than Adrian Brody. I don't know if I liked it more than predator two. But I would say I enjoyed it more than Predator 2. Hmm. I'm well, not, I don't know what that know, means. It was funny because we, <laughs> we were talking about Danny Trejo and his death and the way he was used. And that was right out of Star Trek. Yeah. Right out of the Savage Curtain. Yeah, Spock. Help, help me, me, Spock. <laughs> Lincoln, Kirk. Help me, Kirk. But yeah, no, he was... Yeah, he was there, and there, you know, let's go save him. And, yeah, he's just like a dead body sitting up in the middle of a field. Do Kirk, do right. Spock, do Edith Bunker. Oh, watchy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I it, God love you guys for, for uh, comparing that movie to, to Predator 2. I mean, for, for all the... For all the faults that Predator Two has, I mean, I I, I don't know Adrian Brody just <laughs> and Topher Grace. No, like I said, <laughs> I put Topher out of my mind, <laughs> and I expected more from the Lawrence Fishburne character, and then that just kind of like uh, went nowhere. I, I yeah, I don't know. I just uh... well. Anything else uh, to say about Predators? Because we're going to go from Predators to a Predator. Not a Predator. The, the Predator. The Predator. The Predator. The oh boy, that is a bleep burger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, saving, I'm saving Bob the, the job of having to edit me. Keep us out. Uh, yeah, I... Boy... I didn't even watch that again because I just remembered how horrible it was the See, first I, time. I never saw it in a theater, so I actually had to watch it for the first time. Oh, you oh. poor man. Just this last week. 
but uh, it was in the in the midst of the big flurry of Godzilla Fest that I had going on, so it was just kind of like watch it and be done with it. But oh, it you're was, dedicated, uh, my friend. Well, I mean, I figure, hey, gotta watch it. Yeah. I was gonna watch all, including the Alien vs. Predator movies, and Godzilla Fest got the best of me. I just didn't have the time, but um, I. The Predator, you know, I, I had no expectations because I had never seen it before. And I did not go to see it in the theater like I usually do. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty, you know, an unremarkable cast. It was, you know, you had the Alpha Predator, I guess, that came out in the end right. to, uh, to wreak havoc. But, yeah, I just think, you know, after watching the first three back-to-back-to-back, this one was a little anticlimactic. I have to agree with you, Chief. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's just bad. <laughs> e- even even Olivia Munn. I'm a fan. Not a big fan, but a fan. Even she couldn't save this movie. What was her role? What purpose? To, uh, anyway, I won't even get into it. Well, she's like a scientist, but then she like grabs a gun and runs... Exactly. After a predator and does all this crazy stuff, and it's like, what I, the hell is going on? Yeah, she was pretty damn resourceful for a scientist. Yeah, well, well I guess and, and, you know, I, I heard something. and read a bunch of stuff that there was a lot of changes to the script. That it was really supposed to be about a civil war between the predators, and mm-hmm. a lot of that was all excised. That they were supposed to have scenes, and they even filmed some scenes with. Like the what we think of as like the classic predators working with army guys against the the giant you know monster predators and so I, I suppose you can maybe cut it some slack for a lot of changes being made in process but you know you have to judge the final product and the final product is just a big heap and pile of doo doo. <laughs> Well, I think well, that pretty much wraps it up <laughs> with a nice bow. There is rumor of a Predator film in development. Uh, uh, director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, Dan Trachtenberg, set to direct a script by Patrick Allison. The film's plot is uh, under wraps, uh, so we have no freaking idea. <laughs> what it's going to involve well, have, but have either of you seen 10 cloverfield lane no uh is that the one where uh, uh he kidnaps her and keeps her under the yes. uh the bunker yes yeah yeah it wasn't bad i mean no it wasn't bad it was, it was, actually it was a quite a departure film. from the original cloverfield exactly exactly uh, it worked very well um God, what's his name, Bob? The the actor, uh, he plays Dan. Uh, John Goodman. Yeah, John, John Goodman. Goodman, not Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> John Goodman, he's a great actor, and he plays against type in he this movie. He plays a crazy mofo. Yes, yes, but not immediately. You know, it, well, it he's kind like of, a good-intentioned crazy yes. mofo. Yeah, uh, good, good movie. So who knows? Um, yeah, we'll see. Let me ask you guys this. We talked about this in the beginning of the podcast before we get into our sensor sweep. If you could bring Arnie back into a Terminator, a Terminator, <laughs> it's 
been been done already into a predator film do you have an idea of of how you would incorporate that if you want i can go first because like i told you jay and i have been talking about this for years why don't you go first because you sound very excited thank you walker very excited <laughs> you know dutch is uh, much older we we wouldn't uh go forward in time we wouldn't go backward in time it's today and um, they kind of did this with Jamie Lee Curtis in the last Halloween movie. So they kind of stole our our idea. But he's basically been hunkered down in this cabin in the woods, um, just going back to basics. He's got knives and arrows and, um, you know, all manner of weapon. And, uh, you know, we go back and forth on whether or not the predator finds him or the CIA contact him and say, Dutch, we need you to, you know, help do this, that or the other. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we don't fl- you know, we play around with, you know, there's a war with the predators or, you know, um, it's just one or two of them on the loose or it's Dutch's, you know, son or, you know, kind of go back and forth. But it would be interesting to see him come back as, you know, old man Dutch with all the knowledge and one of the few people. I guess you could bring Danny Glover into it, too. They could be roommates up in the cabin. Uh, only two people <laughs> to kill a predator. <laughs> but that, that's pretty much it. It's, you know, just a shame that they never did more with with that uh, character that Schwarzenegger made so iconic. And Adrian Brody would be like their cabin boy. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's funny. There's a, there's a video on YouTube where somebody made a... Uh, like a fake trailer where um, Danny Glover goes and finds Schwarzenegger. You know, they're both old. Yeah. And, and he's like, "We come on, I need your help. We got we to gotta fight the predator. And, Get to the chopper. And it's basically <laughs> like the two of them going after the predator again. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, I'm, I'm sure both of you, as well as everyone else listening to the podcast right now, has probably seen the commercial with Shatner and the Gorn on the couch <laughs> playing video yeah. games. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I would do Arnold and Predator sitting on the couch playing video games, and yeah, that, that would <laughs> that would be it for me. There you go, Walkie. <sighs> I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you could go with it. Maybe uh, maybe Dutch all along has been running some sort of special ops oh. group tracking the Predator. And maybe he discovers that there's a group of Predators that have been, um, you know, speeding up global warming. Interesting. So that making the planet hotter. So it's more, you know, to their suiting, to their suiting that's not a real word sorry <laughs> it's late i'm tired <laughs> making it more suitable for them to come here and and hunt people and so you know huh. he he's got his team of people trying to um figure out where their their machinery is so they can uh, knock it out and of course then they would run into actual predators and hilarity ensues <laughs> Interesting. Uh, good, good, uh, good concepts there. Well, I, I tell you guys what, it's it's that time of the show where we uh, 
get into our sensor sweep this episode our reconnaissance officer karen has something to share with us uh karen take it away well thank you larry mm-hmm. i am a big fan of predator and over the years i've collected a lot of predator stuff and uh one of the things that uh that I will share, and if you go to our our website, planetatepodcast.com, I'll have some pictures there. One of my favorite things in my collection is my sideshow legendary bust of the classic maskless predator. Mm. And so this is like a half-scale bust um, of the predator, a beautiful sculpt showing the, the predator with his little mandibles open, all of his little spikes, all of his little uh, hair tendrils, whatever you want to call them, hanging Deadlock. off of his head. Um, it's, a, it's a really, really nice piece, which I've had for many years. I think it came out in 2011. I was looking around on the secondary market to see what it's going for now, and I saw everything from like 350 to 500 so a little bit pricey to grab now. But as usual, Sideshow does a, a really spectacular job, so... Well worth it if you like the Predator uh, or if you love the Predator to go grab a, <laughs> one of these much busts. As Karen does. <laughs> so, as I well, said, cool. I'll throw some pictures up and people could take a look at it. And uh, I hope they enjoy it. As Maybe not as much as I do, but <laughs> I hope they enjoy it. They, they may indeed. Well, thanks very much for that, Karen. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.